Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the HypnoDojo, a place of learning for practitioners and students of hypnotherapy. Get your black belts in all things hypnotherapy as we whip into shape your mindset, mastery, and marketing. Relax, enjoy, learn. Here's your sensei, Linda Campbell. Hi, and welcome to the Hypno Dojo. This is Linda Campbell. I am the director of the Horizon Center School of Hypnotherapy and president of the Canadian Association of Counseling Hypnotherapists and Educators. And I'm excited to share with you this show because this is something that I talk to about clients almost on a daily basis. So I'm going to be giving you a little bit of patter that you can use with your clients, but also I'm going to be getting you thinking about how you manage your stuff. So I want you to think about how do you numb? Come on, you know you do. Uh, Lately, I have caught myself engaging in some numbing behavior. Uh, I broke up with a boyfriend in middle of February, I guess it was, but it was six weeks before he could move out. And in that time while he was still in my place, I found myself eating a whole lot of crap, watching a whole lot of crap, and spending literally hours in the evening playing a stupid game on my iPad, actually even paying money to play a stupid game on my iPad. So those were my numbing behaviors. Now, people are kind of funny. We want to feel good. We don't like to feel bad. And so when we feel bad, we try to avoid feeling bad in a number of different ways. We might numb the feeling, try not to feel. So we might use alcohol or drugs or food, all kinds of different things to try to dull the feeling. We might shove the feeling down. Often this is done with food. I see with a lot of my weight loss clients, sometimes they're really just trying to keep something shoved down, something submerged with food. Or we might distract ourselves away from a feeling. Maybe we work too much. Maybe we exercise a lot. Maybe we're overly social. We have to be out all the time entertaining ourselves. Maybe we're playing games on our iPad. So these behaviors can look socially acceptable. We're all very impressed with somebody who's successful because they work a lot or who's in great shape because they're exercising a lot. But if your behavior is about trying to avoid something, trying to distract yourself away from something, it's not necessarily a healthy behavior, even if it looks healthy from the outside. So some people might call these addictive behaviors. I don't really see it that way. I see it as a way of trying to avoid our discomfort. And maybe in, our, in some cases we can outrun it for a little while. Maybe it's just situational. Now that my boyfriend has moved out, my now ex-boyfriend, I'm eating healthier, I'm getting exercise, I'm being far more productive, and I'm not actually playing that game very much. If I do, it's pretty moderate. I'm certainly not uh, losing myself into it, escaping into it as a way of avoiding life. So situational, as it was in my case, Um, but if the situation passes and the behavior is still there or there is no situation that prompts the behavior, we're just kind of engaged in these numbing or distracting or avoidant behaviors, that's when we have a problem. What do we do when it's chronic? What do we do when it's not situational? I'm going to give you some examples of clients that I've seen where this kind of stuff has come up for them. Uh, I had a client who just couldn't resist 
stopping at the liquor store every single night on her way home from work. She said it was like there was a magnetic pull into the store. She just, it was part of her trip home to stop and get some booze. And then I had a client who shared with me that she stares at a screen literally all day long. The first thing she does when she wakes up in the morning is grabs her phone and looks at what's on Facebook. Then over breakfast, she's watching things on YouTube. And then when she bathes, she's playing a game. And then as she walks to work, she's listening to something on her iPhone. And then on her breaks, she's back at her phone again. And so she came to see me to help me break what she called her screen addiction. Then I have a client who binge eats on the weekends. Um, This client is, you know, perfectly well-behaved, so to speak, over the rest of the week. But when the weekends come, she just finds herself, as she said, shoving into her mouth whatever she can possibly find. And then I have another client who is consuming literally hours of porn a week. Again, just like compulsively going after the porn. So when we crave something, whether it's food or alcohol or porn or staring at a screen or playing a game, it really isn't that thing that you're craving. My body wasn't craving playing homescape. (laughs) My body wasn't needing that. There was something else that I was needing, something else that that craving or that behavior was representing to me. And so there's patter that I'm going to give you now that I use with my clients in hypnosis to help them to develop some awareness around what's actually going on. Okay, so it goes a little something like this. When you feel a craving, it's not really the thing that you're craving that you're looking for. It's what that thing has come to represent. If we just give in and use whatever food or substance or behavior we think we want, we're missing out on the opportunity to find out what's really going on. While we're in the state of craving, the window of opportunity to understand ourselves more deeply is open. But as soon as we take the path of least resistance, as soon as we engage in whatever the indulgent behavior is, that window slams shut. We miss the opportunity to find out what was actually happening. For example, if I came into my office every single day and I felt anxiety as soon as I walked in the door, but I never really knew why, then I would just be a victim to that feeling. And that feeling might make it so that I don't want to come to work anymore, so that I feel too uncomfortable to do my work. But if I had some insight into it, if instead of doing whatever I did to cover up that feeling of discomfort, if I sat with it, if I inquired into it, I might get more understanding about it, which would then help me to make a different decision. If I looked into that feeling and discovered that what I'm really experiencing is discomfort because I'm not well enough prepared for my clients that day, well, now I can do something about that. I could take work home with me. I could book fewer people. I could book more time in between clients so that I have time to prepare. Now that I understand what's really going on, instead of just feeling this overwhelming anxiety and having a desire to cover it up or numb it, now I can actually make some different choices that are going to make my life run more smoothly. And so what you're going to notice that you're doing is whenever you feel a craving for, whatever the client's craving for, you're going to take a moment to just stop, to just sit with the feeling. Instead of engaging in whatever behavior you would normally use to cover that feeling up, you're just going to sit with it. You can tolerate it. You're going to sit with it and you're going to look into it a little bit. What's really going on here? If it wasn't the drugs, alcohol, whatever that I wanted, what do I really want in this moment? 
Maybe you'll find that what you want is an opportunity to relax. Maybe you need to take a break. Maybe what you need is a segue from one activity to another. Maybe what you need is to end a relationship, and what you've been doing is trying to not feel what that relationship makes you feel. You've been trying to cover it up. There's some call to action that's there, and you'll find that when you take an opportunity to stop and really check into that feeling, what is this craving about? What is it I actually want? That the answer always comes to you. Because on some deeper level, you know it's not the food, the alcohol, the porn that you want, but there's something else going on. By taking that opportunity to look within, to inquire, to sit with that feeling and let it speak to you, you're going to find that you're getting wonderful clarity or insight into what that feeling is really about. And you're always able to find another way to meet that particular need. It goes a little something like that. So the client who was drinking, he was really, or sorry, she was really avoiding looking at the fact that her relationship was super unhappy. Her husband had cheated on her some time prior. She had forgiven him, but it wasn't really ever forgiven. It wasn't really dealt with between them. So there's this kind of lingering tension between them. And so she would make it fine over the course of the day when she wasn't around him. But on her drive home, she would find herself drawn into the liquor store because there's some part of her that knows, I got to go walk back into that tension-filled room. I don't want to feel it pick up a bottle of booze, at least I don't have to feel. At least I can be around him without feeling the discomfort. So it was easier to not look at what was going on in the relationship. It was easier to not feel than to make the big changes that needed to be made or to have the uncomfortable conversations that needed to be had. My client who was staring at the screen all the time was really avoiding doing more important things. She was not happy with her life, had a job that she hated, but has these really deep-seated fears that go back to childhood about not being enough, not being able to achieve what she wants to achieve. And this, again, is childhood messaging that she picked up that she's not enough. She, when she was a kid, had a real interest in a particular career path and was told by her parents, you're not smart enough for that. You're not going to be successful at it. And so she kind of gave up, but also started questioning her own value. If I think I know what I want and these pig, big people, pig people, big people who know me say I'm not capable of doing it, then maybe I'm not capable and maybe I can't trust my judgment. Maybe I can't trust that I actually know what it is I want. So as long as I'm stuck on a screen, I don't have time to do anything great in the world. I don't have to face the possibility of failure. If I really put myself out there, if I really put effort into it, then I might see that what I was told that I'm not capable is actually true. And that would be crushing because I would put all this effort into it for nothing, only to find out that my worst fear about myself is is true. So I won't even try. I can't. I'm too busy watching all of Netflix. Nobody could possibly blame me for not putting my work out into the world. I'm way too busy with all of these episodes of family guy. My client binge eating on the weekend. This was somebody who didn't want to face that she wishes she had a relationship. Her last three partners had cheated, so she's afraid to give it a shot. So again, this is somebody who would be fine all week long, uh, distracted and busy and working and doing all of the stuff we do with life. But when weekends would come, she had a lot of empty time. 
And this was time that she longed for being with a partner, but there was this conflict going on within her. I'd like to be with a partner. I'd like to have a companion to spend my weekends with. However, when I've done it before, I've been hurt and I don't want to be hurt again. So I'm not going to give it a shot. I'm just going to use weight, use food as a way to numb myself, as a way to have a buffer against being cheated on again. I'm going to make myself look unattractive so I don't have to worry about getting sexual attention or somebody's affection directed towards me. So the food becomes a way to numb. It becomes a way to shove down all of those unexpressed and unfelt emotions. It becomes a way to not have to worry about putting oneself out there. And the client consuming porn, similar kind of situation. This was somebody who described to me that he was a late bloomer. So when he was going, when all of the other guys were going through puberty, he was still underdeveloped looking. And so the girls weren't interested in him. He was starting to kind of develop an interest in girls, but his body hadn't really caught up with his mental state. They wanted the bigger, more well-developed, more mature looking guys. And, of course, the subconscious is kind of a funny little creature. When it gets an idea tucked away inside it, it just holds on to it. So even though this guy is an adult now, and you would never look at him and say, oh, you're underdeveloped, he looks just like a normal, everyday, regular kind of guy, in his psyche, there's still this feeling that girls aren't going to want me. I'm not what they want. I'm not mature enough. I'm not developed enough. So he's got a desire for connection, a desire for intimacy, a desire for physical pleasure, but a great big fat old belief that he's never going to find it because he's somehow lacking. And so, hence, the attraction to porn. For a little brief period of time, he can pretend that he has a connection. He can pretend that there's something intimate going on. So in all cases, when you look at these situations, the craving that the person was feeling was really just the subconscious trying to help the person out in some way, trying to help keep them safe trying to help them satisfy a need, trying to help them feel loved, trying to help them feel connected, uh, trying to help them not feel some discomfort that they were experiencing in their life. As long as we indulge the craving, we never get anywhere. We don't get to see what it is we're really trying to cover up, avoid, or numb. So you stop, you sit with the feeling for a little while, you tolerate it, you observe it, and you inquire into it. What is it I really want? What is this feeling driving me to achieve? And how else can I meet that need? Now, it may be a need that we can satisfy in a different way. Uh, so, for example, um, the need to, I don't know, avoid a conversation. Well, we don't really want to satisfy that need with a different, but maybe that need is really saying, hey, look, there's something you need to do here. So there may be in some cases a need that we can satisfy in a healthier way, or it may point to some unfinished business, which of course means more hypnosis or finding some way to work on that unfinished business. But we really want to encourage the client to keep that window of opportunity open. Sometimes when people are coming in with something like craving, um, drugs, alcohol, porn, whatever, they're hoping that I'm just going to put them in the chair and say, you have excellent willpower and self-control. You do not touch a screen all day long. Uh, you know, you only consume one glass of alcohol a week, whatever. I don't know. Notice how I like I can't even come up with decent suggestions around that. Because to me, it's not about that. It's not about suggesting away the behavior. It's not about suggesting away the craving or suggesting that they have the willpower to overcome it. 
it's about really sitting in the feeling and understanding what that craving is all about so that the person gets deeper insight into themselves. Again, the example I used, if I came to my office and felt anxiety every day, all I could do is feel it. We want people to move past just tolerating something, just having to put up with something or having their life destroyed by something. It's not fun to gain weight because you're binging. It's not fun to, you know, deal with or to be stuck in a relationship that you're really not happy in and engaging in unhealthy behaviors to try to keep that unhappiness at bay. So I'm not trying to suggest a way the behavior, they have more willpower. I'm encouraging my client to sit with the feeling and get more clarity around what that feeling is all about and then find other alternatives, other ways of meeting their needs. Whew, did it. So next time, please check in again. I'm going to be doing another radio show next week. I'm bashing around a couple of topics right now, so not sure exactly what the topic might be. Uh, If you're interested in hypnotherapy training, I do offer in-person courses in Victoria, B.C. My class for, it starts tomorrow, April, is all filled up, but there will be another class starting in September, and there will be a class every September. So there are already people who wanted to be in the April class who have been rolled over into the September class. I do expect the class to be full. Again, my method of teaching is not just to help you find the right script for the client. I just think that is such a BS way to do hypnosis. It's really helping the client to uncover the cause of whatever's going on for them and resolve it through doing what I call hypnotic arguments. I also offer in or online training, interactive online. So my interactive online students get as much face-to-face time as my in-person students do. We meet through Zoom. We're able to see each other and hear each other. It's a four-hour class, three nights a month. And during that class, we have the opportunity to break off into breakout rooms, to do practice sessions, which I can then supervise. And so unlike online classes where you're working through the material on your own, you don't really engage with the supervisor or the instructor. You don't get to engage with your classmates. Mine are interactive. You get as much face-to-face time, even though it's face-to-face on a screen, uh, with your classmates as I give in the classroom. There is a class starting June 6th. That's a Wednesday night. It'll run approximately three Wednesdays a month from 6 to 10 p.m. That's Pacific Standard Time. And there's still some space left in that class. Now, with both of these classes, I'm really excited to have added a new component to the class. I used to tell my students that as long as they did the work, as long as they came to class, as long as they practiced, they would pass the class. And that was pretty much the case. But I've had some interesting experiences in my last couple of classes where I've had a couple students who, because of some something going on with them, they could not make it through my class. Uh, there are some qualities that I believe, not I believe, that a hypnotherapist actually has to have in order to be successful with their practice. You need to be able to empathize. You need to be able to have compassion. Uh, you need to be able to be non-judgmental. You need to be able to treat your clients with respect. You need to be curious. Instead of being judgmental about their problems, instead of bringing in your own opinions, you need to be willing to try to develop some understanding as to how the client came to be who they are. A person's behavior always makes sense when you understand the context in which it was formed. So you've got to be able to meet your client exactly where they are, to not express opinion or judgment, but to be open-minded and curious when it comes to hearing about your client. 
And so because I'm recognizing there are some personal traits that a person really has to develop, and I want my students to be as successful as they can possibly be, I have added into my program 10 personal growth assignments. So with every class, we'll do a hypnosis session to get you familiar with a concept or idea that I think is important for you to develop. And then I'm going to give you an assignment. And in between the class, you've got a month to work on that assignment. And again, there are opportunities to develop these traits of compassion and empathy and good listening skills and being non-judgmental, so that the people who come out at the end of the class don't just have hypnosis skill, but they've actually developed these aspects of themselves that will benefit you, not just in your hypnotherapy practice, but in your life. I really want the people who are taking my course to become more insightful, to become more self-aware, to become better communicators, and to have all of the skills, hypnosis-related and otherwise, that they're going to be using on a daily basis in their practice. So I'm super excited to start these classes that have these new personal growth component program um, assignments built into them. And again, I'm really excited to see this happens all the time. I often say that the people who come out of my class look a lot different than the people who went into my class because you can't study hypnosis without also working on yourself. And we do work on one another in class. And I require my students to do a certain amount of um, deep work. But this is a little different. I'm, I'm really promoting and um, encouraging, making mandatory, mandatory this time, these personal growth assignments. So I'm really excited to see how it affects the students. So if you're curious about training, you can contact me. Uh, www.horizoncenterhypnotherapy.com is my website. You can email me at info at Horizon Center Hypnotherapy, or you can give me a call, 250 250- Three eight two two four eight five. I'm also on Facebook under the Horizon Center School of Hypnotherapy. Thank you so much for tuning in and having. Okay, take one. <laughs> with correction, with Campbell. 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 The, the, okay. Get your black belt in all things hypnotherapy and never blend. <laughs>